0: Thank you all so much, um, and thank you for your support of Martin's book and of Martin. It was brilliant to see so many people up there having their stuff signed, Um, but hopefully there'll be more copies of my book being signed. (laughs) Because it's always a competition. (laughs) Um, I know that my next guest kind of needs no introduction, but I'm going to try and give him one anyway. Um, He is my boss. Um, (laughs) He is one half of one of the most successful electronic duos of all time. (laughs)
1: Ladies
0: and gentlemen, Mr. Andy Bell. Welcome, Andy Bell. (laughs) So the first question that I asked Martin Ware because it's important to drill deep into the electronic landscape. What's your favourite colour?
1: Well, it changes every now and then, but I I think today it's violet.
0: Fantastic. A violet Sunday. (laughs) See, if you get a clap just for saying violet. (laughs) It's like you're onto a winner here, mate. (laughs) So, electronic music. Can you remember your first electronic music experience?
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was a, quite a fan when I was a teenager of, of uh, like, Japan, the group. And then I, I didn't realise how many artists that I liked were produced by Giorgio Moroder. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I first moved to London, uh, and I went to my first gay nightclub, which I, I couldn't believe, it kind of blew me off, you know, blew my head off. <laughs> 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 It, uh, was called the Embassy Club in London it was only on Sunday night and it was full of all these models and like prostitutes and you know I, th- I heard I Feel Love I think it was the first time in a club hearing it and I was like fucking hell this is like you know this is incredible and I, I just thought like oh my god I'm never going to fit into this gay world because it's all too perfect everything you know and uh It was kind of true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I feel love. You're in London for the first time. At that point, do you already have aspirations to be a musician?
1: Um, I did. Yeah. I. I I mean. You know. I don't. I didn't wish to appear to be a big-headed child, but I used to tell my auntie I was going to be famous and stuff like that. And then and and she said, "What for?" And I said, "I don't know." And then, um, and I used to go and sit actually on the television set and say to my auntie, look, I'm on telly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, did, I moved to London with the ambition to, to be in a band. And uh, I did, you know, I joined with a band. It was called The Void. We had a really terrible name. It was called The, the Void, then Boimer, then Dinger. And uh, we did some demos. And... You know, meet this, met this guy called Pete Gage, did some demos with him. He was from Vinegar Joe. He was married to Elkie Brooks. Uh, they were divorced, and then he was with a model. And we did, like, demos for the record companies and didn't get anywhere. But uh, And then I saw the advert for Vince, and um, I just thought, wow, this is too much, you know. But I uh, answered the ad, and I just thought, well, I'll just go down and, and take my umbrella, which was orange and... Brown, I think, and I thought I'm going to have a really nice time and just meet Vince. And uh, yeah, you know, and I, I thought, I didn't know if I would get it or not after the audition. Because so, I mean, I was the second from last person. and uh, But I, I think I was quite, um, I think I thought my voice was better than it really, really is. You know? <laughs> so I,
0: I always had higher... <laughs> illusions of myself you know. If um, you had gone to a, uh, an audition for someone else and it had been another sort of music would yeah. that still have interested you? Or did it have to be electronic uh, at that point?
1: Yeah, I did, I did go for an audition, another audition before I met Vince Well that was when I actually saw him because he was at Blackwing Studio and he was there on the Space Invader machine and I thought, oh my god that's Vince Clark, he had his big fringe hanging down, you know, before he cut it off and he said it was in an envelope somewhere, and it'd gone all <laughs> manky. <laughs> um, yeah, so I saw Vince. So he was always in my mind, but this was for a spin-off band of Bow Wow Wow, and I didn't—I didn't know how to hold the microphone then.
0: Is that Either the p- same spin-off band of Bow Wow Wow that Boy George probably ended yeah, up doing stuff probably, with? Yeah. yeah. So you're at, at this audition. Yeah. Um, I think, was it something like 40-something people yeah. that they saw over two days? Yeah, 43 people. How did you feel walking in? How did you feel walking out?
1: Again, I think it was one of those times when you, um, you know, a bit like today or something, when you when you can't think about it too much and you just go in and do it. And, uh, and that's kind of how I felt then. And... I honestly didn't didn't think about it. You know, I just I thought well, I'll just go and do this and Have a good day and then if anything comes of it, that'll be great And they did they called me back on uh, like Tuesday or something and said would you like the job? And I said yes, please you know and they, <laughs> they um, and Vince was still working with Paul Quinn Borgie Borgie guy and uh and I was saying, oh, please be a flop, please be a flop, for the single. because <laughs> I didn't want him to be the full-time singer, you see, which you should never do that. Never, never wish ill on anybody, because it's, it's awful, you know. But, uh, yeah, so they put me on a retainer for six months for, with 150 pounds a week. And I was like, wow, this is amazing, you know. So I went to Ibiza for my first <laughs> holiday. <laughs> And I took my lovely girlfriend with me, Marion. and I remember we arrived and we were in the town square in Ibiza town and I was sitting on the bench and these two guys came over and they were really hot and they said, have you got anywhere to stay? And I said, no. And they said, oh, you can come and stay with us. And then I, I, I said, oh, here's my friend. And they said, hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Vince Clark, as you know, is a man who doesn't remember things very well. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> but at least he says he doesn't. Yeah. But when I asked him about this whole audition process, he does remember that you were extremely shy. Oh, yeah. And that you'd come into the studio and they'd try and make jokes yeah. and you just wouldn't really interact because you were just too nervous it at the was, whole situation. It was. It taught, taught me forever. I mean, it me the whole
1: of Wonderland, you know, that... Uh, even singing Oh Lamour and stuff like that, I was kind of uh, reverted back to being a kid in the school choir. I really did, you know, and it was I was running out of breath and I couldn't do anything. And I was thinking, like, you know, when we had all... I had all these comparisons to Alison Moyer and said, oh, he's not as good and all this stuff, I really took it to heart, you know? <laughs> like, kind of in the studio, I, kept, I felt completely out of my depth, you know? And uh, also, I was a bit nervous because... It's so sort of straight in the studio. You know, it's like a laddish... Especially with synths, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they tried their best to, like, make, you know, make me fit in and feel welcome
0: and telling jokes and stuff. But I kind of... It took me forever to open up, yeah. Was there, like, a, a something that happened that made it easier for you? Was it, like, going on tour uh, or something like that? I don't know, really. I You know, I, I feel like...
1: Uh, I don't remember telling Vince I was gay or anything, but he said that he remembers all these boys coming around to the studio, which I think I was kind of showing off, you know. <laughs> uh, to the boys, I mean, you know. And uh, I think that's what, when it twigged, that's when it all, when we became relaxed. Right. So Or I became relaxed. So I think when it was out in the open, maybe that was the whole thing
0: that I didn't even know, you know. So although Erasure has obviously had... Stupendous, amazing success. Right back at the beginning then. Yeah. It wasn't instant, was it? No. How different do you think everything would have been if you'd hit pay um, dirt straight away?
1: Well, I think maybe I would have been a monster or kind of too big for my boots kind of thing, you know, because I've had my moments, you know. <laughs> and uh, I just think, you know, if that had of, if, if it had have happened like that completely uh, you know, straight away. yeah I don't know if we would have lasted this long
0: so as Erasure became successful then you sort of started to move in different circles you started doing things like Top of the Pops and therefore you started meeting other artists who did you love to meet who was great at that time
1: Uh, it's funny because you kind of uh, when you meet people again in, in hindsight or you meet them again you have a you have a nicer understanding of who they are and what they've gone through and stuff and Martin was talking about Terence Trent D'Arby, and he was like one of the nicest people that we've met on top of the pops, you know, because usually people, bands can be quite arsy and stuff and they sort of keep themselves to themselves and don't really socialise, you know, uh, especially me and Vince. <laughs> but but um, no, Terence said hello. He was like really nice. And then also uh, doing the, uh, the, retro, the retro shows on my own. Can't uh, the what American ones,
0: or the, the UK ones? The, rock. Yeah, rock the, rock the X Y and Z. Yeah. Let's
1: rock, is it called? Let's yeah. rock festivals. But uh, I I saw um, you know Mel and Kim. I don't can't remember which one's still alive. Is it Kim now? I don't know. It's Mel. It's Mel. But she was so nice. You know, she said, "Oh my God, I couldn't." He said, "When me and uh, Kim were doing Top of the Pops." we couldn't believe it that erasure was there doing it you know <laughs> and we were like oh my god you like y- y- your song was number 1 for ages you know so and you don't y- you really don't think about other people as being feeling the same as you are you know yeah. intimidated and stuff like that uh, but it's lovely you know meeting people that you've always had on a pedestal uh, still do really like Debbie harry and madonna and uh you know, they don't... I don't know. I think for me, when I'm a fan of somebody, I'm always going to be a fan. You know, it doesn't... You can't surpass that. You know, it's the same with Kate Bush. I'm just like, oh, you know, and you can't... It doesn't... That's why I'm not friends with, like, loads of pop stars because I don't know. I can't be on their level or something.
0: I was, I going, I was going to ask you, actually. Yeah. It's like, are there people that you've actively avoided meeting? Because you just think they're they're too important to me. I don't want them to disappoint me or to reject uh, me.
1: I don't know really, because I, I just I, I feel like I kind of have particular taste in music, you know, and um, but I get like flummoxed if I see the Weather Girl. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I don't mean the singer Weather Girl, the per- person doing the weather after the news. You know, or anybody
0: who's on TV, I'm a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really. <laughs> so you're into this massive success with Eurasia. You're on top of the pops. You're a household name. You know, everything is going fantastically for you. Was it all going fantastically for you? Really? Uh, In- inside? You honestly don't even... I mean, I heard the Spice Girl say the same thing, but you don't
1: even know what's going on. You have no time whatsoever mm-hmm. to even think about what's going on, you know, because you're just doing it. And you're in the middle of it and you're kind of just going along for the ride. I think that's why they capture you when you're, like, 21 and 19 and stuff. Because that's when you've got the energy, you're not questioning anything. You just go, and say, oh, yeah, I'll go there. <laughs> like, what? Where do you want me to go now, tomorrow, you know? So we're always just packing your suitcase, going around. I mean, it was fantastic. You love it. And flying around everywhere when you could smoke on planes still, <laughs> you know. But, um... Yeah, until you,
0: it all drops off, you can't, you have no appreciation mm. of it. You know? Do you think that being on mute made a difference yes. to your career? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think mute did really an
1: incredible job as well. For, you know, at that time, we, you know, we, we had pluggers, we had a huge plugger for TV and radio and, you know, they did the press as well, which all the stories in the press are planted all the time, you know, and people don't realise it's, you think, oh, it's their life and stuff like that, like Robbie and it's, oh, that's what's really going on. It's not at all, you know, every single story is planted. And, um, you know, you kind of, and as well, you don't even think about that either at the time, you know, you think, oh, it's just normal, you know, (laughs) and then, only when you grow up a bit, you realise the machinations, you know, behind everything. And, uh, and it kind of makes me feel a bit sorry for the, for the young people that's going through it now, because it's, now it's totally exposed to everything. And I thought, I could never live my life 24-7 like that. We, I couldn't
0: do it. Yeah, I think there's a very important name in the erasure story, and that's Daniel Miller. Yes. So, how, can you remember when you first met him?
1: I don't know. I mean, he's he, he's a kind of a strange character, you know, and he he really is an enigma still to me. And uh, but he's always there. He's kind of like Mr. Ben, you know, <laughs> hovering around in the background. And it's kind of like you have to have his input and his his faith in your project right from the beginning, really, depending on what you're doing, you know. So and if you don't have that, it's not going to work, you know. So. Yeah, you have to have Daniel. So he's like the other member of the team, like Stekin from ABBA. <laughs> he's like the other member of the band, really. And he's like a manager. He's like all these things, including you, Richard. <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Like, um, you know, yeah, he's the third member of the band, really. And he, he kind of organises everything. You know, he gets, puts it into motion and then leaves you to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he
0: controls it, and yet yeah, gives you the
1: freedom you yeah. need to do whatever you I mean, need I'd to do. I love it that Mute is such a kind of an avant-garde label as well, and they've and they've uh, you know Erasure was kind of their poppiest act they've ha- ever had on there. Mm. You know, and sometimes I think that was to, to Vince's detriment. Me coming along, you know, because he was like really hit before I joined in, <laughs> 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 made him commercial. <laughs> you know, but but um, no, you know. I love being alongside all those really outrageous bands. You know, it's like we couldn't we couldn't raise a finger to any of those people. You know, I mean, the outrageous things those bands have done
0: is amazing. You know, I get still blown away now. Do you ever feel that uh, Mute gave you too much freedom? Have you ever sort of taken a wrong turn and no uh, one was?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think it's weird when you're in the when you're in the music business where nobody kind of sits you down and asks you, oh, how's it going, or anything like that, you know, especially when you're younger. Um, You know, and one time, I mean, maybe this should have been my hissy fit uh, Shirley Temple thing, was when uh, I'd been up for, like, about two days, and it was in, I think, about 1994 or 5, and we... Somebody had dropped out of doing Top of the Pop, so they... They said, we could do it. And it was like, this was the time when we were sort of out of favour, you know, so. And they said, oh yeah, Erasure will do it, we'll do it. And they, was, they were kept ringing up and ringing up and leaving messages on the answer phone saying, oh, it's the fucking phone, Andy, you've got to get in the car now, you know. And so, and so um, I just, the, the driver was outside, so I just opened the door where we lived. And I just said, go away, and just close the door. <laughs> And that was it. And I think we weren't asked back for about five years after that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been moments where you've just thought, I can't do this anymore?
1: Um, That was especially after ABBA, like being number one for all that time. I mean, thank goodness we weren't in the country when it happened. But um, coming even afterwards, you know, we were living in uh, Hampstead and you you couldn't walk down the street, you know. So I couldn't... I couldn't imagine what it would be like now, but then it was just just by being on TV a lot, you know, and um, having your videos shown. And, and like, you know, when people kind of get get to be in the newspapers all the time, like George Michael was, I just can't imagine what your life would be like, you know, especially when you going off the rails has been recorded and then put in the newspapers. I think I would have
0: completely gone insane if that happened to me. Yeah, so it's a very different times, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. So um, Vince Clark, let's talk about him. Yep. Lovely man. <laughs> kind of brought you in to, 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 to your yeah. career and, and sort of put you on yeah. now. Describe him in three words.
1: Uh, he's my baby man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You've got one more word. One more word. Um, understated. And how do you work together? Uh, lots of people will know this, but I think probably lots of people don't know quite how the, 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 the process works.
1: Uh, well, Vince is hilarious. I mean, all the people that you've met him one-on-one you know, you'll know he's completely hilarious. You know, we, we, when we go to the pub and stuff, we just end up in fits of laughter, me and him, you know. And it's not... We're not playing jokes on anyone. It's just, like, our humour and telling stories to each other and just the ridiculousness of um, fame and all that kind of thing, you know. And, uh, but he's always... You know, I used to think... I mean, the reason I wanted to work with him in the first place was because he was so cool and such a brilliant writer... And then, um, and I think in some ways, when we were in erasure, I got like slightly jealous of that, of him being like that, because I thought it can't possibly be real. You know, I thought it was like putting an act on. But then after years and years and years, I realized, no, it's not an act. He's, that's what he's like. He's really like that, you know, and he would never ever make you do anything that you wouldn't want to do. I mean, he's he's always not doing things, you know, he's always dropping out of things and we're always like, saying, oh, Andy, you've got to do this. Not him, but record company and stuff, saying, you must do this. Oh, this, you're going to get this award and go there and blah, 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 you know. And Vince goes, no, I'm not going. You can't. <laughs> He's like, no, you have to go on your own, you know. <laughs> like, so sometimes I, I always felt like I was a sort of, like, little brother that was pushed, you know, around. But I mean, it's up to him, you know, if he doesn't want to do it. And I think, I think that's the coolest thing as well about him, is, like, he always says no. And I think, I think to learn how to say no is really amazing, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely true. On both counts, Vince does always say no.
1: <laughs> I do, sometimes I feel like, oh, where, where, where would you have been if you'd have said yes to all these things? you Because know? sometimes I feel like it's to his own detriment, you know. But he doesn't care. It's not, he doesn't have to have accolades and all these people blowing
0: smoke up his... Asshole, you know <laughs> I was talking to Martin Ware earlier about Vince he was asking how Vince was getting on and um, he was saying that he, he considers Vince to be one of these people who yeah. is completely happy yeah. in his own company in his own little bubble he creates that environment yeah. and he just sits in it and he's happy to be there
1: yeah I mean it's lovely you know I, I mean I do miss him I've really missed him on the past couple of years you know and uh, I mean it was a year ago wasn't it we were on tour but, um, yeah, it's kind of... Uh, I love going around his house as well in Brooklyn. He's got a studio downstairs. That's where he lives, basically, you know? And, um, yeah, I love going around there. It's just like... It, I mean, when you're writing together, it's so intimate. It's almost more intimate than being with your lover, you know? It really is, you know? Because it's, it's just... Because you're sort of creating something that's so personal. And... Um,
0: <laughs> so talk a bit about that process, you that creative process that you share. It's like how does that, how does that work for you? Uh,
1: well he always, he always like he's a chord collector. So he'll um, you know and I love I love writing to synth. You know, a lot of the time before we'd written we'd written to guitar and piano with the chords, but I love hearing the chords on synth because they just transport me somewhere and they're always really spacey the sounds. And uh yeah, so basically, I'll go around there to his house, and he's got all these chord progressions lined up that he's maybe like twenty or so, and uh he'll just go through them like one by one, saying, "Do you like this one? Do you like this one? Do you like this one?" And then I'll say, "Yeah, that one, you know, <laughs> and then he'll he'll just play it and and I'll just pick up the mic if I start singing a lot singing along and and it's it's really weird that kind of like aspect of letting yourself go because it's like it's really embarrassing you know it's like you, it's like making a fool of yourself doing your speech after the wedding or something you know and being really crap
0: you know and it, you, you just have to let yourself be a fool i understand that vince gave you a gift of a guitar oh god so yeah. how are those lessons going no they don't go at all those <laughs> <lessons>. <laughs> I'm terrible.
1: I'll I'll just buy something and think you can learn it just by having it. And not, don't you know? Don't realise you have to you have to pick it up and like actually use your fingers on this thing.
0: So it's always a surprise to me that although you are known as an electronic duo, the start of your songs is almost never electronic. Mostly, yeah. We always buy the chords anyway. Yeah. yeah. So because of that, you've never quite been tempted to sort of, you know, create your own chords.
1: Well, you know, I said, to, I, I mean, Vince is, he said to me as well, please don't learn how to program synthesizers because you'll put me out of a job, he said. You know? <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't do that, you know. I, I can change a plug, but I can't, I can't program anything, you know. I can't do Photoshop or anything. Like the,
0: I'm useless, those things. So almost exactly a year ago, you finished the, um, the UK leg like, of the Neon Tour. And it's like it was the biggest tour, biggest venues that Erasure have played oh, for years and years and years. God. Do you feel like you've sort of come back in the public? No. I just. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that got cut short, didn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it would have been, but no, it was just. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think we're yet to have our renaissance. And I think it's burgeoning. I really do, all the time. I'm an eternal optimist, I really am, you know. And I think we haven't done our best work, we haven't. I don't care if people like Wild or The Innocents or whatever, you know, I feel like (laughs) we haven't done our best work. But I think that's a writer's dilemma, almost, you know.
0: Oh, it's the perfect situation. Yeah. It's like if you've always got something to aspire yeah, to, something to, to, to work to, towards. You
1: know? I think all bands as well, you go through your boring period, you know, where you're bored, and you can hear it. It's like Love Boat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what's the period after the boring period?
1: Uh, I, think, I think it came up uh, during um, Nightbird, that's when it started coming back up again. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it has. Yeah. It has. I mean, it takes ages, you know. It's like, it does. as I say, we don't have publicists and all these people running around. So that's why I love Mute as well, because it's all very homegrown. And it's kind of, it is organic, you know. It's just, if it happens, it's real. It's not you being promoted and blitzed
0: beyond your talent, you know. Stepping out onto stage now. How different is it to stepping out on stage when you were, uh, I
1: don't know, 25? Well it's quite different because, because I'm not singing
0: and I'm not dressed up
1: in a stupid costume. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. I mean, I love being on stage, you know that. And it's kind of uh, almost panto.
0: You know, I love it. I really love it. You know. So no plans to stop doing that performance? I'm not going to stop, no. No? It's,
1: uh, I, I can't imagine that I would you know it's all always when we have time off you know I you know I always say like oh I wonder what's going on down the pub tonight like if they've got karaoke or you know if they've got like a oh if I should DJ up the road or something you know it's always I could never rest on my laurels for a while but after I just start getting itchy feet all the yeah. time
0: see itchy feet is great because it always means new things are coming Pardon? Itchy feet is great because it's new things are coming. It means there's, there's stuff yeah. ahead of you. Oh, yeah, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked for about half an hour and yes. um, I promise that there will be a section of uh, audience questions. Because there's so many people in the audience to see you, I'm going to turn it over to questions a little bit earlier so we can get through as many right. as we can. Yeah. So if anyone has a question, then raise your hand. We'll get a microphone to you. <coughs>
1: there. Um, just to ask you, thank you Richard for having us today, it's lovely. Thank just you for wondered, coming. Just wondered if Andy was going to do an autobiography or even erasure uh, to write a book. Well I did uh, I mean I was asked, Richard mentioned it yeah. before, didn't
0: you? Yeah, uh, Vince and Andy probably get offers to do autobiographies several times a year um, either together as, as an erasure one or as individual autobiographies, um, but the, the offers come in, and the, the, we, we always have a little chat about it. And it, neither Vince or Andy, to oh, date, yes. has felt that it's the right time for them to be telling yeah. their story.
1: It's quite a strange thing, really, because I can only imagine—you know—things I've been telling you today that that would only be in the book. So it's kind of like you sort of repeating yourself over and over again. And I wouldn't—I wouldn't like to tell really, really personal things. So it's kind of. You know, you'd like to keep something to yourself. So, I don't know. It's a balance,
0: you know. So, watch this space. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Um, Is there any new erasure music on the way or maybe another tour or even any solo shows for you, Andy? Uh,
1: As far as I know, there's no erasure music yet. I mean, there will be. Um, And I'm doing some solo stuff, but that's kind of like if we should say it, shall we? But we,
0: we probably shouldn't. No. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
1: We are doing some stuff and not Erasure by myself, but that's not because I don't want to work with Vince. I would love to be working with Vince, but he's having time off, as you know. Um, and there will be some shows next year. Uh, we've already spoken about those ones. But I can't tell you the date yet because it's not announced.
0: Heidi, hello. Um, When you did the Blue Savannah video, did it take a long time to get the the blue paint off?
1: Sorry, (laughs) oh, after um, Blue Savannah, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it takes, it took forever. You know, it's usually, and you get the blue right down in your ears and stuff. I (laughs) I was kind of a smurf for a while, but (laughs) but uh, also, you, you you wouldn't believe. When you wear sequins, how long those sequins stay on your body? The sequins? (laughs) Like, even a year later, you find, like, a sequin up your crack. (laughs) And it's not because you haven't showered thoroughly.
0: And this is why I turned it over to questions. (laughs)
1: My question isn't as fun. It's just something I've always wondered. Huh? You've got two songs called Paradise. Paradise, two songs. I remember one of them.
0: Did you forget the drama B-side when you wrote the other one? Probably,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: You I always, just wondered like, what it was. Like, was yeah. it a knowing thing like, no, I can have two songs, that's fine.
1: Yeah, you do find as well, like, you, you do repeat yourself in um, melodies. And I was just saying to somebody, oh, it was to Tim... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim who, Andy? Tim no, who? it was... Uh, That you do find yourself—it's like when you're writing a song. It's like you're Hansel and Gretel, and you work and you're working your way through the forest, and you always go the same way in the beginning. So it's like the difficult thing is when you're writing a new song is to go a completely different way to which you've been before. So you do repeat yourself. You do repeat yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um. When you recorded the uh, version of Amateur Hour Sparks, did you actually work together, or was this done... Oh, with Sparks? Of, yeah. No, we didn't, we, we didn't work together, which I hate it. I hate doing that, you know, because yeah. you're not... It's not really that you're together, yeah. you know. And I, I don't really like it, doing that. And I don't think I've ever met them. Oh. No. <laughs> You've been in their documentary as well. <laughs> no, that's like even, you know, when you see... Annie Lennox and Aretha Franklin, or Boy, not Boy George, George Michael and Aretha Franklin—they weren't even in the studio together. Even made the video.
0: It's all smoke
1: and mirrors, <laughs> folks. <laughs> That's why I'm a bit suspicious of all these collaborations. <laughs> you know? No, honestly, when it's all these groups all together, I'm thinking like, no. What was the first? gigs that you went to that you enjoyed? Oh, the first gigs, I was, uh, I think my first gig was Joe Jackson. Um, And I I remember, I mean, there weren't that many bands came to Peterborough. So, but I do remember seeing Susie and the Banshees in Peterborough. And that was when she was on a wheelchair because she'd broken a leg. And then I saw Japan at the, uh, uh, Timonfoot Hall in Leicester. I mean, I was a bit disappointed with the sound, you know. I don't know if it's because it it was my ears or... But in De Montfort Hall, they've got that big pillar in the middle, haven't they? And we were sort of stuck behind the pillar, you know. That was before Erasure for quite 10 years or so, you know. So, yeah. Hi, Andy. Hello. Just about to do the um, reissue of the self-titled album. Which is oh, yeah. extremely experimental compared to yeah. everything that had come before. Did that worry you at all? That out um, it didn't worry me. It kind of. I, I think maybe I felt a f- false sense of accomplishment, you know, because we'd had such a success before then. It was like uh, we thought we could do nothing wrong. You know, and it was like, and we'd, we'd got this reputation of being a singles band almost, you know. Even though people bought the albums, it was like we were perceived as being a singles band. And, which I don't like. You know, I don't like that kind of people putting you down because you do pop or, you know. I think, well, we had some great songs, you know. And so that was really our messing around and doing Bright Side of the Sun. Instead of Dark Side of the Moon, we thought we'd do Bright Side <laughs> of the Sun. <laughs> And that's how it turned out, you know. So I think it was—I think it was tricky because, you know, I mean, they started out as as uh, forty uh, singles, seven-inch singles, but then we extended all the versions, and then they, they, it was hard to kind of cut them back again. So it was quite tricky with the radio. But we were we were out of favour by then because it was it was all Britpop and Oasis and Blur and stuff, and we were out of favour. It's just
0: fashion, you know. They were difficult times, weren't they, the Britpop yeah. times for the electronic bands. It's yeah. like, you know, OMD, I think, or another one that sort of yes. suffered And then, Yeah, it's point. quite funny, because
1: when I see the um, interviews and things, you know, I love Liam and uh, his brother, what's his name? Neil? Uh, Niall, Niall. Niall? No You <laughs> <laughs> see? <laughs> But it's the kind of things they say and stuff. I think, oh, God, you're such a cliche. (laughs) Hi, Andy. Um, Apologies, because this is a bit of a technical question, but I really am curious. I have always loved your voice. It's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I'm finding myself that in my 50s now, I'm having to warm up a little bit yeah. more, look after my voice a bit, a little yep. bit more. Are you having to do that? I do, yeah. I kind of... I mean, I'm going to be meeting Barney on Wednesday, so I'll be singing. So, you know, I thought, oh, shit, I've only got one more day to, like, do warm-ups and stuff. But I always check when I go to the toilet. I check to see if my voice is still there. No. <laughs> <laughs> La, 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 la. <laughs> it's I'm telling air. what my neighbours okay. think because the toilet's right <laughs> by them. <now. laughs>
0: Hi, Andy. Hello. You run pop star to opera star. I just wondered how. <laughs> <laughs>
1: God. Do
0: you enjoy it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> I mean, we were on tour at the same time, you know. Uh, but I'm, I'm not cut out for that, for reality TV, not at all. Because I'm too honest and too too uh, open, you know, and you can't... I mean, they don't care about you at all. You know, it's all just kind of cutthroat. And, you know, you'd be in the room with Catherine and she'd be saying, oh, you're fantastic, and do this and do that. And then, like, the next minute... And you're out of your comfort zone and out of your depth, and she's slagging you off on the stage. <laughs> you know? I'm like, you cow. <laughs> I hope this doesn't come across as rude, this question, but I always get the impression with Vince that he'd be, you know, care about every detail, meticulous, spend ages, yeah. and that you might record and go, go, yeah, do what you want with it later. Um, rather than, but maybe, I, maybe I'm mistaken.
0: Maybe. No. He is going round... <laughs> you are, you are right, you, know, no you, one you one are right. No one wants to take on the,
1: tape and the vocal. You are right, you know. I mean, we, you know, we used to work in the studio together the whole time for, the, for recording an album. But when you've been in the studio for eight hours working on a hi-hat, it's kind of like... You
0: know?
1: I mean, he doesn't like being there for the vocals. And I kind of like... It's nice to make a surprise for the other person as well. You know, so... I mean, it's amazing though when I listen to Erasure even now, I mean I don't do it I don't not all the time, but rarely I hear things in the tracks that I'd never heard before, and that's what he does you know it's like holistic uh, laser beams, his music you know? and so does that mean um, that with some of the also with the remixes that will inevitably happen that and again, I don't want to sound rude that you're effectively, as a duo, a bit blasé about them because the record company no, do them or you're getting them commissioned. Not at all. I mean, they do... I mean, lots of the remixes are completely out of our control. Not out of our control, but you, we only hear them, you know, whether we like them or not, kind of thing. Uh, and it's only when you're doing them yourself that you have concentrate, really. Or unless you're a real fan of the remixer, like William Orbit or someone, you know... Um, yeah. Uh, uh, to be honest, during the '90s, the mid '90s, it kind of went off the sh- uh, the chart for me. All that, all the remix stuff. Because Then it was like, uh, 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 and that was all that was in your vo- of your voice, if, even if you were on it at all. the yeah, no, you know? no original bit of the track. Yeah. Left, even, so. yeah. Uh, what, can I just ask one more? Are there any vocals now that you listen back to? And I wish I actually had a, re- uh, re- you know. Yeah, I hate. Um, Oh my God, what's that song now? No Dark Man, uh, no, not, GDM. no GDM, I hate it, that song. Um, and also, I mean, I didn't even sing on it, but Video Killed the Radio Star, I was like, no way am I gonna
0: do that. <laughs> I think we've got time for maybe one more question. Hi, Andrew. Hello. Hi,
1: I'm Debbie. Um, I, would, I mean some of your songs are obvious what the meanings are but I would love it if you wrote a book about all your songs and the meanings because some of them are listen oh. to the lyrics and it just fascinates me to so what they're about well, well it, I mean it, the thing is it's not like set in stone you know any of the songs because they kind of like change as well you know it's even even when you're singing them they change all the time so they're kind of like living things so it would be funny if you put them down in a book because it's almost like putting a gravestone on, this, on each song yeah so I don't know it's weird
0: uh, thank you okay. very much everyone um, Andy and I will both be signing on the table at the back in exactly the same way that Marty Ware did um, so anyone who has books or things for Andy to sign if they could queue down this side here um, but before you do that I just want to say another enormous thank you to my boss. (laughs) Thank you.